Welcome everyone to episode two of State Champs Ohio Extra Point. So glad you came back with us here. And if you missed our first episode, we had a really interesting conversation about recruiting with a guy who has joined our staff, Nick Walker. He's now a recruiting analyst for State Champs Ohio. So be sure to follow him on Twitter at Walker. Again, that's at Walker, And you can follow us at State Champs OH. Again, that's at State Champs OH. Spread the news. We want to get this to as many people as possible. We're kind of in the new market, second year in Ohio, Indiana, and Michigan. Overall, we've been in Michigan for over 20 years, but we really are excited about bringing you these things in Ohio, and we want you to spread the news about this. Maybe chime in. Who would you like to hear on future podcasts or games that you'd like us to come shoot? We want to hear from you as well. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Otto PXP. Again, that's at J-E-R-E-M-Y-O-T-T-O. PXP. And this program is presented by Lawrence Technological University. Lawrence Tech wants you to recruit yourself. Just go to l2athletics.com and click on the Recruit Yourself link. Academic and athletic scholarships are available in over two dozen varsity sports, including football. So we want to see you do that right now. Pause the podcast if you have a second, if you're looking to play college athletics as well. Well, just as excited for our second guest here today, it's Doug Ute. He's the executive director of the OHSAA. Doug, how are you today? Doing great. Thanks for having us on here and and, uh, appreciate the opportunity to be on today. A little bit more calm at this point than than last year. This is kind of the point last year where you were, you know, kind of ramping up, obviously, in in the middle of COVID and all the protocols. But uh, things have leveled off a little bit for you guys, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, the stress of last year for our schools and administrators and athletes and parents and communities, uh, you know, the, the virus is still out there. Uh, I think the, the big hurdle we jumped in here in August uh, was when we ended the year in May, early June with our state baseball tournament. I remember walking out of uh, Akron uh, baseball and the Rubber Duck Stadium about midnight on a Sunday night. After the last game, thinking, wow, what a year we got that in. We're going to move forward. No one would have ever thought that virus would have reached back up and hit us in August uh, like it has. Uh, but uh, it's been a great start to the the uh, sports season for us here in Ohio. Well, today we'll kind of focus you know, on football because that's what this podcast is mostly about. But touch on some other things as well. And the biggest, I guess, story for you guys is, number one, the state championships moving back to Canton. I want to hit on that in a second. But... First, because we, we've seen a few cancellations, not anything compared to last year, but you guys also reduced the minimum games to qualify from eight to five, right? Kind of explain what went into that this situation and you know how you guys are dealing with that going forward. Yeah, we, we never wanted uh, the virus to, to step in and influence who can make the tournament or the playoffs or, or not. And so to us, it was a no-brainer this year to set it at a – a minimum amount of games of five because right out of the shoot we had some schools get canceled and and that question came up what if i don't get my eight in or something because you don't ever know uh you know i i like to say the the uh, you know quote that that reminded me a lot of last year there are decades when nothing happens and then there are weeks when decades happen and and so many till you open up that first week and it things were changing every day and and uh, for schools and and i think uh one of the things we learned from COVID is, is when somebody cancels, there's uh, if some there's always somebody else that probably got canceled, and so a lot of our schools, through their uh, athletic association, uh, statewide uh, uh, professional organization, 
have, have instant, uh, as soon as somebody cancels, they can put that out that they're looking for a game. And, and I know several schools. We had 16 games canceled the first week, so it was 32 schools affected of our 720 or so schools that offer football. And, and so the majority of those games that were canceled, they were able to pick up another game and play. Awesome. That's good to hear. And hopefully we'll get to the point where no games are canceled maybe later on in the football season as well. That'd be great. That would be great. Another story, you know, kind of about the playoffs as well, expanding the regions from eight to 16 teams, kind of explain what went into that as well. Yeah. Well, prior to COVID, we were going from eight to 12 and, and then the buy. So, so one of the things, you know, what are, what are the COVID keepers that are out there that you learn from COVID that, that popped up and, and so last year when everybody had an opportunity to get in, and I think uh, uh, we had less than 60 schools opt out of, uh, of our 720 or so uh, schools uh, that wanted a playoff experience. And, and uh, some teams could just be in a region where it's, it's extremely difficult to, to get in. And so, you know, for us, it's all about giving our student athletes an experience and, and giving you know, to, to expand instead of doing the bye week, to expand to 16 instead of the 12, uh, we thought really made sense because we heard from our schools last year how excited they were to finally get that opportunity and and uh, how nice it was for uh, their community and those type of things. And and so, uh, you know, we we uh, did, did expand into that to, to see how that works for us. Talking with Doug Ute, the executive director of the OHSAA. Glad he could be with us here today on our State Champs Ohio Extra Point podcast, episode two here today. And I want to hit on, you know, your state championships because that's such a critical part of, you know, not only what the OHSAA does on any level in any sport, but had to shift it again over to Canton, Ohio. I know that's a place you guys are excited to be back at. And I think something that gravitated towards me is a quote that I saw in the paper. We want to be somewhere that wants us kind of. You know, explain that for us. Yeah, we want to be not just a facility, uh, you know, and we are the state. You know, we recognize that we are the state that has the Hall of Fame in it where uh, the the careers of legends are preserved and, and kept alive. And right here in Canton, Ohio, right in Ohio here. And so, uh, and everything that they've done to that stadium. If you haven't been there, in a, I told people the other day, if you haven't been there in the last six months, you haven't been there. And then if you haven't been there in the last month, you probably haven't been there because things just changed there. They've really improved that. And it's very important to Mr. Baker, uh, the director of the Hall of Fame and his staff, that uh, they have high school uh, uh, student athletes uh, perform there. And, and not just the, the student athletes, their peers that come to watch the games and then the communities. And, you know, number one thing we want is a wow factor uh, for our state tournaments and many of our you know, if you look at three tournaments just in the fall, we're at the Hall of Fame, a professional experience there. We're at um, we're in Cincinnati for tennis at the Linder Center that just a week or so ago had the professional tour there. It's a you'd probably have to go to New York City before you found a better center than that. Uh, it's a it's a fantastic uh, uh, center. And then our soccer is going to play at the new Crew Stadium. So those are three events that buses pull up to that kids will say, wow, before they even get off that bus. And then the experience there. And then the, the piece of it is for us, uh, we want to be somewhere where somebody wants us. The, uh, the Stark County Visitors Bureau, the, the city of Canton, uh, the Hall of Fame, uh, there is no question that they want our folks there and, and the way they welcome us there 
and open the doors for us and then sharing that their commitment to giving our student athletes the best experience that they possibly can in their stadium and and they want that wow factor and and uh you know um they you know just a chance to go in the hall of fame to play where legends uh, uh go to uh you know and play and and uh you know to carry on their their uh, legacies and those type of things so uh, again, makes sense in Ohio for us to be there. You've said that the, obviously the agreement has come out publicly three years, but also there's maybe an opportunity to extend that. You know, what will it take, I guess, for that to be the case? And will that be something that could potentially be before the three years uh, ends up or, or after? Or what's your timeline, I guess, for working out that as well? Yeah, we, we certainly be looking after the second year to, to, uh, look to see if that relationship uh, moves forward. And it's not just that weekend, it's the, the entire year. We wanna partner with somebody, you know, throughout the year to help the, the sport of football grow. And, uh, you know, and some of their programs uh, that they have there. Um, so, uh, and and obviously, especially in today's world, we have to be someplace that's affordable for the Ohio High School Athletic Association to hold an event. And, and Mr. Baker and his staff have made that uh, affordable for us from where we were in the past. And we're, we have a, a, a deep amount of gratitude for, for the, the folks at the Hall of Fame to, to make that happen. You talk about affordable and, you know, just cash flow in general. I know one thing that you, you recorded on one of the articles I read before the interview here today when you first took over back in September 2020 was, you know, you want to be less reliant maybe on those tournament gates, you know, that the OHSA has, whether it's this event or some of the bigger basketballs and, um, you know, obviously stadiums like the Columbus Crew. I mean, that's certainly going to draw a large audience, you'd think, too. But how and, you know, maybe you've already developed some certain strategies to try to do that. But anything in particular that you've tried to rely on less in, in terms of the gates going forward? Well, I think one of the things we've looked at is expenses and just expenses in our organization, uh, you know, that, that um, don't deal with that weekend or weekends we're, we're at places that we've addressed and, and to move forward. But you you mentioned uh, that, that, you know, it's a different world today and, and than it was in the early 2000s. And so we go back to 2002, we've, we've traditionally over those years prior, and if you look at prior to the COVID year, we've lost about 5% of our fans uh, at the state uh, of regional and, and uh, championship weekend in football and basketball. And so with that, you know, you might say, why are you losing fans? Well, uh, it's not just Ohio High School Athletic Association. It's a lot of states have, have done that same thing. And, you know, kids are doing different things. And, and we're trying to, the, the piece that we look at financially, we're trying to make it affordable for a family to, to attend a high school game. And, and uh, that's where the piece from the Hall of Fame comes in to make it affordable for us. And this is high school sports. and. And if you're a professional organization, such as the crew or the tennis place, or, or uh, if you're the University of Dayton for us in basketball, uh, you know you realize this is high school sports. We're gonna we're gonna give it to you at the uh, and and you know I share something. Make make money off the Dirk Bentley concert on Friday night, uh, but make it affordable for high school student athletes and communities to get this experience. And, and no question, the Hall of Fame has done that for us legislative bill um you know kind of trying to go through that would increase the eight semesters of eligibility for high school athletes uh, due to COVID 19. where's that at in your guys mind i think you came out and said that you know that is not necessarily something you're going to address right now but uh you know how could that affect what you guys do and you know other state associations around 
Yeah, I, there are some uh, just south of us in Kentucky uh, that address that issue. And for us, you know, we have 26 sports and all 26 sports last year during COVID competed for a state title. Uh, not everybody played football. Some of our urban areas didn't get that opportunity, and I understand that. But the majority of the, the student athletes in Ohio got an opportunity to play uh, at least uh, three quarters or a full season, a full slate of uh, games in all our sports, and then competed for the title. So you had that opportunity. What you didn't have is, is the opportunity to play in front of that rivalry game crowd, uh, those type of situations that way. But you still had an opportunity to to play sports last year. So increasing the eight semesters uh, didn't make sense to us because one of the things I worry about is that domino effect. And I'll give you examples. I, I know of one athlete here that was offered a full football scholarship to a Mac school in one of our schools. And two months later, they, they pulled that back uh, because they had 12 or 13 seniors returning uh, because of COVID and getting that extra opportunity. So. So if you just take and, and give that senior a chance to be a senior next year, then he's going to take my scholarship. And, and that domino effect comes down that way. Uh, you know, when you look at the athletic piece of that. Now, in good fortune for the young man, he, he did get an offer this summer and he's, he's playing Division One football at another Mac school. But so it worked out for, for him. But so, you know, we you know, you look at that and then you look at the fact, too, that if I'm a senior and I'm the point guard on the basketball team or the quarterback on the football team and I come back, that junior or sophomore is going to lose that opportunity to be that, that point guard. So where do, where do you draw the line of, of the effect of, of those things? And, and uh, so, you know, that, that's important to keep in mind when you, when you extend that eight semesters because of COVID, uh, you're going to affect somebody else uh, coming behind you and, and since uh, we had that opportunity to, to, to play our sports in 26 championships last year, we're not in favor of extending that. Well, college sports in general can be so daunting to your high school athletes, right? Because everybody thinks, oh, I got to go D1. I got to get this scholarship. I got to get this offer. Um, is there anything on your guys' level that you're trying to do to help out these coaches, these administrators in schools to deal with what is such a changing time for all these kids? Because like you said, the, the spots just aren't there these days because of all the extra years that they're given in college and all the transfers with how the portal has become pretty crazy. Anything that you guys are doing to try to help these athletes with that? Well, I think it still remains what high school sports is all about. Is It's not about getting kids scholarships. Uh, it's about, you know, so many things that they learn as a student athlete, being a good teammate. And, and uh, all of us know uh, the effects. Uh, I, I would uh, venture to say most adults, and we don't have to say athletics, but extracurriculars. It could be band, it could be choir, it could be drama. Uh, you know, have been, in, so many things have been, positive things have been instilled in us by a positive person that, that we were around and, and uh, taught us how to be on time, taught us how to be a good teammate, uh, taught us the importance of perseverance and and uh, there are a lot of no's out in the world and there are a lot of disappointments and how you react to those type of things and and that. And so we want to focus on those type of things and, and really stress that, uh, it, you know, it's great when our, our kids uh, can go to school free and play football. But we want a lot of our kids to chase the dreams that they have and and not everybody gets that paid for. And so I'd rather focus on on, on the ones that that need help and guidance 
that aren't going to get somebody putting a, a sheet of paper in front of them and signing it and, and getting that full ride. And so, you know, we, we want to continue to focus on those type of things. Coupling on that as well, I know name, image, and likeness has been a big thing in the college circle. Is that concerning, you know, at all for you guys, just how that could impact athletics in general going forward? It is. And, you know, we're initiating a committee here in Ohio to, to look at that. And, and because, you know, initially when it comes out, you say, hey, you know, we're really not affected right now, but uh, when's the next LeBron coming through, you know, uh, or something along those lines in any state? Uh, that way, and and then when you talk about you know name and image and likeness and and those type of things, and we're seeing the colleges isn't really affected like you thought it would be. I mean, it's a it's a, a major schools, a few athletes here and there, and and uh, you know a car dealer. It seems to be the car dealer giving somebody you know a, a vehicle to drive. And I think I saw this morning when you're over here at Ohio State, one of the one of the car dealers had given them a a vehicle to drive and and uh, it, very few of them are signing $100,000 contracts like a lot of people thought that would, would come out. And so what does that mean in high school? Uh, you know, certainly it needs addressed uh, because if it's if it's at the college level, uh, you're going to talk about it here. And then what are the issues with that? I mean, you're in Michigan and I'm in Ohio. And if Michigan doesn't allow and Ohio does, are you going to lose that great football player from Detroit coming down here to take advantage of that. And when you do, you have transfer bylaws and recruiting things that come into play and, you know, all those things that, that, that we're totally against. And, and you don't have to go state to state to look at that. If you had one, one uh, city that has a supportive person, let's use, let's stay on the cars that, that owns several car lots. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm giving our quarterback a truck to drive around and, another town in Ohio isn't. So is that gonna create unfair advantages of transfers and recruiting issues and, and things like that? So there's a lot to talk about before we uh, stretch out from where we're at. Hey, you mentioned, you know, kind of state champs has their footprint here in Michigan, also kind of branching out to Ohio in the last couple of years in Indiana as well. But I know a, a decent story that's come up over the last couple of months here in the, the Michigan borderlines, the Catholic High School League, which is a, a very, you know, prominent league here in Detroit carries a lot of you know football athletes going on to college wherever it may be but there's been some discussions I know between some of your Toledo schools and the Catholic High mm -hmm. School League because there's a, a league folding down in Toledo um, about possibly bringing them up I guess what are your thoughts on, on that and how would you handle that as an association as well yeah I, I think my my initial thought on that is uh, and I, I tell people I can almost do a, a, a a presentation at a seminar on leagues in Ohio when you look back into the late 50s, when the Ohio schools consolidated, all these small towns uh, came together and they made a high school. And, and those towns were competing against each other at one time. And uh, so, you know, you would go to counties and they would divide up the, the, the borders and, and it would pretty much be equal in terms of how many students you have in a school. So if you're in a rural league in Ohio, maybe you have 1500 students or so in five or six different county schools. And then, and then over time, population has shifted uh, in counties. And, and uh, the county I live in, Ohio, as an example, Marion County, uh, I went in as a high school principal uh, almost 30 years ago now. I can't believe I'm saying that, wow. Uh, but, <laughs> but everybody was in that 1500 range, give or take 100 either way. And you had some great games right in your county. 
And then the population shifted. And, and today in that county, there's one with 2,200 kids and there's one with less than 600 that the population has just shifted. And so when you look at a, a league, you want to put your kids in a in a opportunity that they have they have an opportunity to compete uh, equally with the other schools in that league. And so over time in Ohio, those population shifts have, have created that uh, that situation there. And and, uh, and and then you don't want to get in a situation where I'm in Toledo and I'm in a league with folks in Dayton where, you know, it's hard to create rivalries and things that way. And so uh, to me, if if uh, schools in, in uh, Michigan and uh, Indiana and Ohio, if you went to the northwest corner of Ohio and just kind of branched out that way, um, you know, we haven't had a lot of discussion on that, but certainly something that I don't mind having that discussion. I understand because, you know, financially, if you've got the superintendent and, and the board and the treasurer of a district saying, hey, you know, we, we've got to make this economically feasible. And, and if you have teams that you're playing 60 and 70 miles away, it's going to cost us to get there. Uh, when they come here, it's not going to be the crowds and those type of things. And, and uh, you're not really creating those rivalry type of situations uh, so that you could do, you know, a little closer. And, and so uh, I know that that's coming. I, I've, I've heard a little bit about that uh, late last spring. Uh, but but uh, we really haven't had much conversation since. Last one for you. I, I know officials uh, around the country are a, a topic of discussion. Um, I know you guys have addressed you know some of the officials' topics in terms of you know fans yelling at officials and you know treating them poorly. But that, that's not necessarily the angle I want to uh, hit right now. But mm -hmm. are you having an issue with officials returning post COVID? Are you having initials and? Uh, uh, you know, an issue trying to recruit officials in general still, or what's your stake on that? Yeah, it's, it's not much different than what Mark Yule and the Michigan Association are going by. And I know I've had a few conversations with Mark about that. And, and I know Michigan, the Association of Michigan's worked very hard with this. And, and Ohio is the same way. So there's really a lot of things that, that you look at that we're undergoing right now is, is a, as an example of what does it take to become an official? And, and and uh, from my standpoint, when you're looking at recruiting high school kids uh, who like sports, uh, but may not be talented enough to play on their local basketball team or baseball team, or physically there's something that hampers them and, and those type of things, but just wanna be part of the game. And, and so uh, there's a whole uh, vast amount of those students uh, in Ohio like that. So. So, and, and you know, I work with our officiating folks here and, and had that discussion. If I can take algebra online and world history, why can't I take an officiating class online? So we are moving in that direction to say, you can take that at your pace online and you don't have to be a high school student to do that. But, uh, and so, so what's it take to do that? Uh, and then if you think about it, uh, our younger, less experienced uh, and really age doesn't have anything to do with i should just say our less experienced officials where do they start at they usually start at an elementary level or things like that or middle school but so many times they're in a situation where there's no administrator there to keep calmness when things start to escalate and then they have a bad experience and uh and i'm also working the game with another person like me that doesn't have a whole lot of experience and and uh, so, so it's the education process out to our parents and our coaches uh, and our communities about, uh, hey, let's respect these people. This is a hard job. 
and we want them this we want them to have a good experience so we don't have to cancel games so that your child can't play and you know i use baseball as an example so think about this uh you know a lot of schools have one baseball field and on tuesday night our freshman team's playing somebody else monday night the varsity team gets rained out bumped to tuesday night the freshmen lose that opportunity i mean that happens but what started to happen last spring is the freshmen were losing opportunities because they couldn't find umpires. And, and so, you know, that that's a concern that kids lose opportunities for that. And so our association is going to get heavily involved in working with schools uh, and others out there to try to create a platform to, to uh, have more licensed officials. And then in that example I just used in baseball, uh, maybe I have an umpire at my school that's a junior, the student that I tell you, I'm bringing an umpire with me. Uh, respect the fact that, you know, we're going to get a play. And, and uh, you know, so what education process do you need, need out there? And, and uh, it's a really great way uh, to, to be involved in sports, uh, to have an impact on, on things. But, but also from the side point of if you're a high school student, it's a heck of a part-time job. Uh, you know, I, and I, I, I came out of the superintendent where I was superintendent 20 years in the last 11 in Newark, Ohio, just east of Columbus here. And so I remember uh, asking a young man a couple of years ago how he was doing in the summertime. He said, pretty good, Mr. Ute. And I said, you still umpiring baseball? And he said, hey, last Saturday I made $345. I did a 10-year-old baseball tournament and I did seven games by myself. And I remember telling him, you couldn't make out of McDonald's in two weeks. For crying out loud. So, so there, you know, the opportunity to do that. And, and uh, so, uh, you know, it's, it's a problem in most states uh, that way. And again, it, it starts, it's an A to Z problem. You know, how are we recruiting them? Uh, is there an easier process to become licensed? And then once you're licensed, uh, how can we, we make sure or do our best to make sure that everybody's aware of, of your child's getting an opportunity to play because uh, uh, these guys are out here doing their best. And, and so, uh, yeah, that's uh, uh, an issue that's, that's, that's growing to become a bigger issue. Yeah. Have you had the chance to make it out to any games over the last couple of weeks? Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I, you know, being in the Columbus area, you know, I want to try to touch different parts of the state. So I did start uh, in upper Arlington, uh, uh, suburb here of, of Columbus, right up there by Ohio State University, uh, last Friday night for week one of football. Uh, and then uh, had a great opportunity Friday night. I went to Mentor, way up on the lake and watched Mentor and St. Ignatius. Nice. And uh, great atmosphere, great game. Uh, and I have some uh, other games around the state that uh, week 10, I'm really looking forward to the rivalry between Dover and New Philadelphia which is a big rivalry here in Ohio. I'll be over there and, and uh, just trying to get out of central Ohio and, and uh, see, see what's out around our state and, and uh, really appreciate the opportunity to serve in this role because uh, as a sports fan, it's a great position to hold. Absolutely. Well, Doug, we thank you for your time here today. Hope to catch up again soon and uh, enjoy those games coming up. All right. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be on and anytime or, you want to stroll down to Ohio and, and, and watch a game uh, down here, uh, you'd be my guest. Uh, if you want to come to Canton, let me know. Will do. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. I think uh, I think that's an exciting thing to have all those games back down there, and I'm sure the student-athletes will enjoy it as well. Oh, yeah. Great. So 
I'll leave you with this. Uh, I know I'm not going to get a, 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 the last two letters, but OH. Have a good <laughs> S- day, buddy. <laughs> SAA, I got <laughs> Gotcha. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. That's Doug Ute, the executive director of the OHSAA. Well, again, we want to thank our fine presenting sponsor of these podcasts, Lawrence Technological University. You can recruit yourself at ltuathletics.com. Again, that's ltuathletics.com. My name is Jeremy Otto. We really look forward to seeing you next week. And before we do, we'd like you to subscribe on any platform we're available on all platforms that you listen to your podcast. You can find many, and we have many of them, podcasts on our State Champs Network on Spreaker as well. You can go to that link and follow it and get up-to-date content on every state that we cover, and particularly Ohio as well. We'll see you next week for Episode 3 of State Champs Ohio Extra Point.